a lot of a lot of really um it, it was tough uh going to going through these uh, past two weeks on these games I mean, i've never really felt like that out there and I, I needed to get back to myself and I'm, I'm happy i'm feeling like myself again and going into this next week i got a little confidence back and i feel really good and we're gonna have to perform really well all around next week and we're, we're ready to work hard that's Tennessee quarterback Jarrett Garantano after his uh, career-high three touchdown passes against Chattanooga. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Uh, let's go back to the phones where our next caller is Roger. Hello, Roger. Uh, uh, hi, Jimmy. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jimmy. Good morning. morning. Uh, hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Uh, Tim, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Tim? Roger. Good to hear from you. You too. I always... Yeah, I love it. Like I saw, like I saw a lot and um, a lot, and I uh, wanted to ask you, you up both about about Tano. Um, and, and, and you see the the, the, the whole everything he done. I just want to ask you, you think you think he looks like he done better? Um, how? Uh, but would you would you happy how, how was he better? Did he play, Would you happy how he played yesterday? Tim and Jimmy. I was. I give him uh, a high B plus yesterday. The first pass was. Uh, one that should have yeah. been picked off, and that would have been a terrible way to start the game. But other than that yeah. one throw, I thought he played pretty well. Thought he managed the game instead of the game managing him. I thought he was he was he was Hi. quicker with the ball, getting it where it needed to be. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm sure it probably made Jim Cheney feel better about him too, because you know they haven't had much time to get to know each other, and uh, maybe yesterday yeah. will help that a little bit. Oh yeah, you're right. And uh, Tim, I just want to ask you about the, uh, the game uh, played at Florida this coming weekend. I just wanted to ask you, Tim, about uh, about that game. Uh, after what you saw yesterday, you think Tennessee? How you feel about the game is Florida game? You think Tennessee can be can be Florida? You think Tim? You think? I think there are two keys, Roger. I think we need okay. we need some early success, and we need to make yardage on first downs on offense. We don't need to be in third and long. And yeah. have to throw situations because that noise down there, protecting the passers, kind of rough. And they got they've already had they had fifteen sacks before going into last night, and I think they had a couple last night. So they got they're I think yeah. they're leading the nation in the number of sacks. Most of them came in the swamp because it's so loud you can't hear the snap count, and they thrive on speed rushers. So yeah, I think uh, it's important that we have something good happen early. Where we don't get behind yeah. and get in half to throw situations. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. You're right, Tim and uh, Jimmy. Uh, I guess the game that Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, would you happy with with everything you saw? Would you happy with everything everything you saw? If uh, Jimmy today. Yeah, and Roger, we appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Have a day. Have a day. Bye bye. Bye. I was happy with most of it. I, I saw just a few things I didn't like. Uh, the late hits by three different players. Uh, two were unsportsmanlike conduct. You got to be more disciplined than that. I uh, didn't see a whole lot that um, uh, that I, I didn't like. Tim, you touched on it earlier the the backup defense uh, uh, is not very stout. No, but um, you know, it, it, I I thought it was a, a Tennessee needed a game like that heading into Florida. I think they needed to restore some of their confidence, which I think they did. All right, let's go to Andrew. Andrew, you're on Sunday Sports Sound Off. Good morning, guys. Morning. Um, I wanted to. Uh, talk about the play calling i i actually thought jim cheney called one of the best games i've seen yesterday um they had 
uh, a really nice bootleg pass that they called, which I think gained about 19 or 20 yards, and they had two nice play-action passes called really at the right time that scored touchdowns. And, you know, I thought that was really directly related to Garantano's performance. I think he had some simple reads on that, and they got him a little bit out of the pocket where he he actually is a good uh, runner. Um, And then – I wanted to ask Tim, one of the commentators yesterday was saying that Cheney likes to run the inside play and get the running backs going downhill. And as a former offensive lineman, uh, do you find sometimes in games that you get into that you maybe want to run the ball inside, um, but, you know, you're able to to beat your man uh, possibly to the outside? And do you shift that in the course of a game, you know, vice versa? If you want to run inside, you go outside. And if you want to go outside, you go inside. And I'll hang up and take your comments. There's a there's a chain of command on the sidelines, and I think I don't think we've ever talked about this on this show. It would be a serious breach of protocol for me as an offensive lineman to get on the phones and tell that offensive coordinator, "Hey, run over me! I'm clobbering my guy." But I wouldn't hesitate to tell my offensive line coach, who would then get on the phones to the coordinator <laughs> while the defense is on the field and say, Irwin's killing his guy, run this way. I mean, I remember that in uh, uh, playing Notre Dame when I was at UT. We played them in Neyland Stadium. And Hubert Simpson had 250 yards rushing, and most of it was right off my back because I was handling my guy. I believe his name was Jay Case that played defensive line for Notre Dame. So there are situations that change during the game where you feel like you're in a position where you, Now, you better not be wrong when you make that call. Or you'll lose your credibility. But you better, if you've got somebody you can throw around, you can say something like, hey, I'm good whenever you need me. I've, I think I got things under control. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that happens. I think it happens in college. I think it happens mm-hmm. in the pros. I think more in college, they're likely to see it rather than a college player tell them. But in the pros, when you've been around 10 or 12 years, I, yeah, we, we told them when we had our, I won't say a patsy, but we told them when we had a guy under control, we certainly let them know those things. And I think that's what changes during the game. I don't think we went into BYU trying to sweep the ball every down. I think it started working for us, and we became more of a toss-sweep guy. And we know that that's one of Chandler's and maybe Gray's strengths too. Jimmy and I were talking. Running on the edge. Running on the edge. We were talking last week about how We didn't have a 230-pound back uh, that we could turn to in short yardage situations. And not only do we have the 200, not have the 230-pound back, we don't have a scat back, a true scat. All our guys are tweeners. I think even Jordan, when he came in there, he's still in that same size category as the as the other two, as as Gray and Chandler. So we don't have a a freakishly big back to cram in on short yardage, and we also don't have a a Barry Sanders type. Well, Barry Sanders, there's no more Barry Sanders going to be born in my life probably, <laughs> but we don't have a firefly type, water bug type, juker, uh, a little guy that really flies um, either. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put too much into uh, the play calling and Chaney trying to run. Chaney's going to do whatever works, and he's got a good feel for the game, and I have great confidence in his ability to call the right play. I haven't seen him ever block and tackle anybody. I'm sure if I went back and got some film that he did it at some point in his life. But I haven't seen him do any blocking since uh, since I've known him. But I got confidence in his ability. 
In regard to the play calling, um, and this isn't to take anything away, but I think you could have called a lot of plays that would have worked against the Mots. Yeah. And the challenge will be Florida. It's a whole lot easier to call plays against Florida or Alabama or Georgia or Chattanooga when it's third and three, third and two, third and four, mm-hmm. as when it's third and nine or third and 15. Last year, our biggest problem was our negative plays. There yes. haven't been as many of those. A bad run makes one or two yards now, whereas last yeah. year a bad run lost four or five yards. Let's hear more from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt um, uh, talks about Jeremy Banks. Jeremy Banks ended up with the two interceptions, and so Pruitt was asked, can a game like today convince Banks that uh, he could make a really good linebacker? Well, you know, I told him when he intercepted that first one that the first guy tackled him. You know, so most good running backs make the first one miss. So I made sure to point that out. Um, you know, he I'm glad Jeremy got to play, and he's a guy that a lot, kind of along with a lot of younger guys, just what it takes to be a good football player at the collegiate level, uh, the time that you have to put in uh, on your own to get prepared. Uh, it comes with maturity, uh, and it comes with being around guys that know how to get it done the right way, you know, talking about other players, right? So um, he's a guy that continues to improve, um, and I- I'm glad to see he was in the right spot one time. The second time he probably didn't have near as good a coverage, but um, it was good to see that. And he's a guy that's one thing about it, guys that handle the ball in high school that play defense, they get turnovers. They're used to handling the ball, and you see that with a running back getting two interceptions today. I thought that last point was an interesting point, Tim. People used to handling the ball. If they played some offense in high school, uh, they'll get turnovers in college. Let me ask you this. What we were talking about a minute ago, about not having a big guy, mm-hmm. why couldn't you have a third-down linebacker that has a knack for intercepting passes and then have a short yardage ball carrier who's that same third down linebacker. I agree completely. I mean, why couldn't we use him in short yardage and goal line situations mm-hmm. and just make sure he understands he's not allowed to fumble anymore? Work yeah, on that. he's fumbled a lot. Last year, I've not heard of any stories in the spring or in August camp that he had a fumbling issue. Now, he was going between running back and linebacker during that, I understand. But I haven't heard of any of those issues about fumbling from a year ago. So if he's conquered that, I'm with you. Uh, UCLA a few years back had a guy, I think his name was Miles Jack, great linebacker, played fullback in short yardage situations or running back, and he would get the he, he would pound it in there and get the yardage. The other thing I would do, and, and since it's legal, I would I would have a running back, even though if I ran a quarterback sneak or a running back, I would have a couple of big linemen behind him and just push the pile. You saw what Brigham Young did like late in that game, right? Yeah. When they pushed it. You can push from behind. You can't pull a guy, but you can push. Just have him behind him and, and push with a running back right behind him and try to shove the line of scrimmage and change the line of scrimmage to get short yardage. Uh, I think um, that's an area of concern, and maybe we can, can recruit towards that area of getting a big bruising back in there. I know we got an extreme need on defense right now. I know we need his body over there. We seem to have a couple of pretty good running backs. But I don't know, just a thought. No, I, I agree with you. And, and the, I'll, I'll, also, the reason Banks moved to linebacker from running back was when Batuli went out. And so Batuli's back. And Ignat missed some time, too. I think that was yeah. another reason they moved Banks. 
Let's hear more from Jeremy Pruitt. Three games into the season. What do you know about your team heading into SEC play? Well, um, you know, at wide receiver, okay, I know what we're going to get, right? You know, with Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. uh, The other positions, we're still learning a little bit about ourselves. We're we're still kind of creating the identity of who we are uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Defensively, kind of the same way, you know. I'd say in the first – um, three weeks, Henry Toto's played as good as anybody, right? Um, but we're looking for consistency from a bunch of different players. Um, and we've got a bunch of them that there's not much difference in. You know, maybe some of them have been here for three years and they have uh, probably a little more knowledge of what we're trying to get done. And maybe some of them have been here for six weeks and they're trying to learn on the fly, right? So, but our whole football team has got to, we, we've got to continue to be technical. Well, we've got to coach effort. We've got to coach toughness. Um, we've got to have a, a good understanding of what we're trying to get done in all three phases. And, and we've got to find some consistency. Uh, that's what good football teams do. So that, that's what we're working to do. That's Jeremy Pruitt. Tim, what are your thoughts on number 11, Henry Toho Toho? Hey, good-looking football player, good-looking young guy. Um, I think, um, well, listen to those comments. I doubt Jeremy can say his name. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I can either. Uh, But I thought, no, I thought he flew around, and I thought he makes some things happening. He, uh, He seems to be growing by leaps and bounds every week. I'm anxious to see how he does against some of the bigger, tougher offensive lines and great running backs. He seems to have a lot more speed than I gave him credit for when I first saw him out there. I didn't think he'd be able to run as well as he does, but, man, he can fly. He flies around. He's exciting. Having him and Batuli both certainly bodes mm-hmm. well for us when we get in the toughest part of our schedule. I just wish we had that 350-pounder up there that could – keep two or three blockers off those guys where they could fly around. Well, the best one they had up front out for the year, Emmett Gooden. He's yeah. not 350, but he was their best defensive lineman. Oh, he was lineman. a good, good football player. Mm-hmm. He was really turning the corner last yeah. year. He was contributing. And, I mean, we got our arguably best defensive back, best linebacker, and best defensive lineman losing the week for the season. And I, I want to say one thing we don't talk about, and we've talked about a lot of positions on the field. We haven't mentioned the center, and that's a mm-hmm. good thing because – we haven't mentioned him, so he's not messing up. I don't know if you remember the West Virginia game where that graduate transfer nose guard ran all over yep. he and the two guards. That was the worst interior line performance I think I've ever seen at Tennessee. And they were jumping in that guard said, we've gotten that solved. We aren't having that issue, and we're not having, knock on wood, a snapping issue either. And uh, that's two very good things. That's two things that uh, – Maybe he's not the biggest, strongest guy in America, but he's a he's a competent player. Nobody's uh, mentioned uh, challengers for his spot or his ability. So, unfortunately, this is his last year. So he hadn't no. missed many snaps either. He, he doesn't have he, another year, does he? This is well. It. There's there's some debate because he could because he had season-ending injuries twice, uh-huh. Tennessee and Alabama. He could potentially appeal for a sixth year. So why wouldn't he get it? 
because he didn't get to play but two games at Tennessee. That he played one game one and then game. got hurt the next week in practice. Correct. And he got hurt and was out for the year at Alabama where he didn't play any. So it's on the table if he wants to. He could petition for a sixth year. I don't think he's done that, but he could. So that if you got him back, and, and he's he's playing at a at a nice level now. You you're right. You don't hear anything about any substituting and any putting somebody else in there for him, unless you're winning a game like you are at Chattanooga. Yeah. So if I mean, you had him to anchor help anchor the line next year, that could be a, that could be significant for Tennessee. Yeah. So that's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Uh, we're brought to you by Window Works, proud to be the exclusive carrier of OKNA Windows. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. It felt good, you know. Uh, just make sure, appreciate the game while we're on the sideline, uh, watching the guys go go out there and battle. So I'm glad I'm be, I'm glad I'm be able to I'm able to come back and. You know, just support my team any way I can and play with them. Tennessee senior linebacker Daniel Batuli on how it felt to be back out there today after he missed the first two games. He had his knee scoped before the season opener and did not play in the first two games. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Soundoff with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. We've talked about Batuli uh, and uh, how instrumental he's been to the defense. Tim, I thought it was important. I know some people said, well, don't play him against Chattanooga. Play, wait for Florida. I thought it was important to get some snaps in this game to get some of the rust off, just to get some game action before the Florida game. He alluded to that. He thought the same thing. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, you don't want to uh, – your one of your main – one of your three biggest games down in the swamp, you don't want to come out there rusty. You want to get a little – Confidence built back up, get a little rhythm back about yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's great that he could play. I don't think he needed to play a whole ball game. Want him to be well rested, but right. he, he, I think it worked out well for us. Yeah, I did too. All right, uh, I thought one of the big plays for Tennessee was Tyler Bird getting that block punt early in the game. It led to a touchdown as Brandon Johnson picked up the block punt and scored. So we asked Jeremy Pruitt about Bird. Tyler Bird came here as a highly recruited player. He really hasn't contributed a lot on offense. How gratifying was it to see him block that punt? You know, Tyler's one of our best special teams players. Um, you know, all I can attest to is since I've been here, uh, guy works hard, uh, does everything that we ask him to do. You know, he's got some pretty good guys playing in front of him. Uh, he's a good team player. Uh, Plays on the kickoff cover team, kickoff return team, punt team, and punt return team. So um, if you add all those snaps up today, that's a lot of ball, you know. Uh, plus he played some offense today. So um, he's a guy that plays his role and plays it at a very high level for us, and we need more guys like him to step up and do that. That's Pruitt on Tyler Bird. So uh, we asked Bird after the game about getting that block punt. Coach really emphasizes uh, special teams, so he saw something early in the week, and we game-planned it, and uh, I got the opportunity to go after it and just tried to make the best of my opportunity. How gratifying was that? Uh, very, and I'm glad uh, Brandon Johnson got a chance to scoop it up and score. Uh, he's a senior also, so it's, it's big to see him get into the end zone. That's Tyler Bird, and Tim, as we heard from Jeremy Pruitt, Bird plays on four different special teams. Uh, did a nice job, and I, I just I think it says a lot about him to stay invested with a team 
when he really has not played as much offense as he had hoped to when he got here. I think uh, hats off to uh, Jeremy if he figured out that twist that they used to block the punt too. And and what a great scoop. I mean, that was a fantastic scoop on rhythm, one hand kind of. It really wasn't a scoop off the ground. It was like picked it up in the air off a short hop, like a shortstop making a great play and galloped in the end zone. I mean, the whole thing was beautiful. I, I was a, a kick blocker, believe it or not, and I blocked 10 field goals and extra points during my playing time. And uh, people get a knack for that, and you learn how to do it. And on a kick, it's a little different. You almost don't see it. It happens so quick. But on a punt, it takes a lot of hand-eye coordination. You can get a dozen guys back there in the zone to block it. And out of that dozen, maybe two will lay their hands in the right spot. And that's something you got to work on, and that's something you got to scheme, and we need more of it. And we've blocked two kicks since Pruitt's been here, one last year, one this year, two punts. Uh, I'd like to see us block some kicks. And if they're listening out there and they need my help, I'll drop some schemes for them. I'll show them how to block it. I'll show them how to block some kicks. I'm serious. I can. So I'm going to assume you weren't rushing from the edge. Yours were up the middle. Yes. You, did you always line up over the center or the guard? No, I lined up different places depending on where we saw the weakness. And I had guys that were designated grubbers for me, the guys that worked to free me. We ran a complex scheme when we blocked kicks. I'll be glad to share that with the University of Tennessee special teams coach, but I wouldn't share it publicly over the radio. I got it. Yeah. However, uh, so typically – Without touching just, the center, we could still do it. That's and you, important. And would you leap up? at? Would, so you were not contested a lot, right? One, Is two, that, three, jump. Yeah. A lot of times my shoulder would be the, the last impetus it took to blow the guy out of there. But it would be one, two, three, jump. And then you would know the angle of the field yeah. goal attempt, so you're right. going to put position. Yourself. It was there was a lot of planning yeah. went into it. There was a lot of planning went into it, and uh, yeah, uh, I blocked uh, a field goal and an extra point against Denver at Denver, and we won the game by three points. Yeah, got a game ball out of that one. So there you go. Yeah, but I know there's a knack for it. Yeah, and and before they. They outlawed the way the Vikings used to do it. They used to do it with leapers. Uh, Matt yeah. Blair and Joe Sensor were leapers. They would jump mm-hmm. over the top. And then when they outlawed that, we went to the ground game and put me in there. Les Steckle, actually, was the coach that came up with the idea to put me in there. And uh, it worked out good. Okay, I want to ask you any more questions, so I don't want to I don't want to give your... away any trade yeah, secrets. If so I, I give yeah, them away, I want to give them away to <laughs> – I want to give them away to my team. You there know. you go. Well, I won't be any more nosy newsman. I'll let that go. No, but there's, <laughs> there's a there's a methodology in it. What impressed sure. me was that's a part of the game traditionally the head coach gets very involved in as special mm-hmm. teams. And here's our young head coach coming in and doing his job. And I think that needs to be pointed out. He schemed mm-hmm. that block. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeremy Pruitt did from his answer, too. I think it was Pruitt that schemed it. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear more from Jared Garantano. He was uh, asked how beneficial can it be to have a game like that uh, when uh, so many things go right. Oh, it, was, it was a good thing. I think we came out executed pretty well. There's obviously things that we need to clean up and fix, but going into this game, we wanted to harp on details and we wanted to harp on toughness. And I think that we got some of that done, but going back to the drawing board, we got to go check out the tape. And going into next week, we're going to have a tough task and we're going to have to learn from what we just did out there. How much of a groove did he feel like he was in? against Chattanooga. Yeah, I felt I felt pretty good out there. Um this week I wanted to harp on details for myself. 
there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of teams playing a lot of drop eight, a lot of coverage versus us. And I've been getting greedy and trying to push the ball downfield. And I just need to start working completions more and more. And after the first play, we had to get back to that. And I think we did that. Also from Garantana, he was asked as a quarterback, would you like to see the offensive the offense settle on five guys along the offensive line? Yeah, it was it was tough on him all week. I mean, he took the most reps out of anybody in the offensive line room. But going into the week, I, of course, I would like to know those five, but we're going to need more numbers as the season goes on. We're going to need a lot of bodies. We have some older guys that are a little banged up, and the younger guys are definitely very talented. And we're going to need everybody that we can in that in that room. And going into this week, we knew that Karon and Darnell were going to get a shot, and I think they performed well out there. Uh, another comment from Garantano. Uh, it, he was asked, you had to battle for the job for a long time. Uh, it's your job, and now you've got the backing of Coach Pruitt uh, not having to look over your shoulder. What does that do for a player? Uh, it definitely helps me. I mean, he's always encouraging me, but he's also always get, getting on me about certain things, and I, I really appreciate Coach Pruitt for that, and I think he's done a really good job with me, and I continue to ask him to keep being hard on me because I think he's going to make me a better player. Jerry Garantano. Uh, getting back to his comment about the five guys along the offensive line, Tim, how important do you think it is to try to settle on five? Now, obviously, you're going to have some folks get banged up, so you're going to need to make sure some backups get some experience. But how important do you think it is to find your main five and go with them? I don't think it has to be a main five. Okay. I think it can be a main seven, even a main eight if you got a lot of talent. I think with three weeks being gone, the coaches should by now have figured out who the guys are that can play and who are the guys that need some more work, maybe headed for a red shirt. Uh, the only thing we hadn't seen a lot of meaningful substitution at is center. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the position. If we got an injury at center, we'd be in trouble, I feel like. But, uh, no, I think uh, continuity's good. Continuity doesn't have to be with one person. It could, I could have two guards alternating beside me and be good with both of them. As long as I've played enough with each of them that they understand how I communicate and I understand how they communicate and I understand basically which one to listen to and which one to ignore. Uh, when, I, think that, I think you can do that with seven or eight. You don't have to be five. When you substitute on the offensive line, do you prefer one at a time? Three at a time? What, what do you think is the better way when you sub along the offensive line? It depends on who they are, Jimmy, okay. and what the difference is in talent. And uh, Everybody brings something different to the table as far as strengths and weaknesses and uh, tenacity and experience. And uh, Some guys are better physically. Some guys are better mentally. I think it's just a, uh, you have to have continuity – enough to understand both of the guys playing beside you if you're the mm -hmm. guy that's in there steady. I think it's uh, tougher to substitute whole sides at a time. You know, you maybe put a right guard in the game and a different left tackle. You're probably okay. You wipe out the whole side or put two new guards in there, then I think you put more of your burden on your center. See what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yep. So I think uh, seven or eight is a good, healthy rotation to go into an SEC game with. and uh, But then you don't want to substitute so much when somebody does have to go the long haul. They feel like they're getting tired. They have to have confidence they can play the whole game. You get seven or eight guys at that confidence level, then it's okay. 
That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. We're brought to you by Window Works, offering financing up to 10 years. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I think just coming in and getting that extra film, these guys could have cleaned that up. But uh, just being a leader, I've been on the sideline, just watching, like watching it from outside in. It really did hurt, uh, just watching it. But uh, I'm glad I'm back to be able to correct these young guys that are going out there and everything. As Tennessee senior linebacker Daniel Batuli, welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. If you want to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Let's hear more from Batuli. He was asked about how important was it to get live action before you enter SEC play. It was good. It was good. I really wanted to go out there and get a game like behind me before I like went into SEC ball games and everything like that because, you know, when you're playing these SEC teams, it's a whole different world. So just being able to go out here and get this rust off has really been good for me. Coach Pruitt has talked about getting more turnovers. How satisfying was it to have five against Chattanooga? Uh, very satisfying. You know, uh, just the whole team, we played as a whole unit. You know, we turned a lot of, we forced a lot of turnovers on defense, but, and we didn't have one on offense. So just being able to play that way and not beating ourselves, uh, we all saw the outcome of the game, and we plan on continuing that. Batuli was asked what he has seen from the true freshman Henry Toho Toho. I mean, just eager to go out there and ball out. Uh, I've said this from the get-go since springs, since the time uh, these young guys have came in. They're really they're eager to go out there and play. Uh, make plays. You, you saw JB out there uh, getting two interceptions as soon as he got back in the LB room. So I'm really proud of the young guys, what they did today, and uh, I'm really excited about their future. So you mentioned Batuli had his knee scope before the season, missed the first two games. He was asked, did the injury put anything in perspective regarding football? How much I love football. You know, uh, watching it from outside in, it, it, it really does suck. And uh, I, don't, I don't take this sport for granted because it can be taken from you in, like in, in a second. So just being able to go out here and, you know, play with my guys that I've been grinding with all offseason, it really means a lot to me, so I'm going to give them my all. That's Batuli. Tim, during your career, did you have many injuries that caused you to miss games? No. I had uh, – I missed a game in uh, in college with an ankle that was just so bad I couldn't – I just couldn't go. I couldn't get it ready that quick. But it was ready the next week. I missed a Rutgers game, which was a good one to miss. <laughs> what is a Rutger? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, – yeah. Uh, but I, in the pros, I started, I think, I don't know, 207 in a row, not counting playoffs and preseasons. I started all them as well. So probably when you add all those together over 14 years. First game I missed was at Tampa Bay. I was in the hospital with a back that was out and uh, – Staph infection from a halftime IV where they pulled the elbow pad down and it got infected. And so I missed that game. I was in the hospital when they played at San Francisco and they cut me the next Monday. So, yeah, so I didn't have a lot of down. I had all my injuries were corrected in the offseason. And uh, the closest I ever came to missing one in the pros 
I tore my MCL and I carried the film from the MRI to the doctor and said, complete tear MCL. And they didn't fix those anymore. They started letting them grow back at that stage. And the doctor said, well, you're a good healer. You might be back from the playoffs. Then he looked at the film again. He said, well, let's go ahead and get you fitted for a brace. So they sent this Lenox Hill brace in from New York, and I put it on, and I practiced Friday and played the next Sunday. So, yeah, so I had my dings, but I was lucky I was a good healer. And it's not a question of toughness. I think people's bodies heal at different speeds. And mm-hmm. and I think also people feel pain more. Some people are more deadened to pain some people feel everything more acutely and i was just lucky i was a good healer and and i wanted to be out there and i think that's a lot of it too when you were at tennessee how hard was it to sit on the sideline and watch the rutgers game Uh, it was terrible because we lost and it was one of the worst defeats in that time tennessee history and that was a pretty good rutgers team i think they were eight and three that year that's right they were but, Mm -hmm. but still it hurt and not being out there it's kind of a torture uh it's worse than losing when you're a part of it because you know you think you could have made a difference. In that case, maybe I would have. Uh, but, no, it's it's not a good feeling, and I know how those guys, particularly a leader like Batuli feels, and I think like to think I was a leader by that stage of my career too. But, no, that's, that's a tough deal. You don't want to be on the sideline. You don't want to be in the training room at all unless you have to be. If you need to be, you get there on time, you take care of it, you don't miss treatments, you do what you need to do to mm-hmm. get back there with your team. That's part of your job, too. Bud Grant told us when we were rookies, I'll never forget this speech. He said, it's not enough to be good enough. You've got to be durable. What he was alluding to, it's a long season. College is a long season now. I mean, with the preseason camp, and all the games in the bye week, you're looking at you know, four and a half months, five months if you get a bowl game. And that's a long time to be durable and injury-free in a pretty tough sport. So, yeah, I think to, to be, a truly, be one of the truly greats, you've got to survive and got to get yourself out there every week. I heard a coach say the best ability is durability. Yeah. I, he was <laughs> serious when he made that speech, and I never have forgotten it. Yeah. Uh, you talked about that leadership part. So here's more on Batuli. Is it harder to lead when you can't be out there with your teammates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wish you could be out there on the field uh, making these adjustments with them, but uh, I'm on the sideline trying to do everything I can. As soon as they get off the field, just communicating with them, uh, patting them on the back for the uh, good things that they did and just trying to cheer them up if they, if they messed up on something. But as far as being a leader, I'm just trying to do anything I can in order to help these young guys out or older guys. So Jeremy Banks has gone from running back to linebacker to running back back to linebacker. He had the two interceptions. But Tuli was asked if he has tried to convince Banks that he's a linebacker. Yeah, for sure. You know, he loves contact. We all see that. Uh, he's just a, he's a great athlete. I feel like he can do both positions. But as far as being a linebacker, I love seeing him in the LB room because – uh, he brings a lot to that room, and I'm really glad to have him. You think Banks went down a little bit too easy on that interception? <laughs> no, nah, Banks is a hard runner. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't trying to avoid contact, but uh, he did what he had to do. <laughs> That's Daniel Batuli talking about Jeremy Banks. So um, uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if Banks ends up moving back to running back this week because Pruitt had said recently, I just need one more week out of him. 
or whether he stays at linebacker or Tim does what you suggest, which I think is a fine idea. Let him play linebacker, but in short yardage situation, let him play running back. I don't see why that wouldn't work. I saw one game I was watching where a backup quarterback was a tight end and a move guy for a team and told the coach he wanted to be on the field. And they said, well, how about tight end? I can't, maybe it was Tulsa. I'm trying to think who I was watching that had a backup quarterback. It was one of the meaningful games that was working towards an upset yesterday. There was oh, a okay. But uh, I saw a guy that was a backup quarterback playing tight end and H-back basically in the game because he couldn't get on the field as a quarterback. The Saints have done that with Tyson Hill. Exactly, yeah. He's another one that's in that category. But, uh, you know, who's Banks going to beat out right now? Is he going to beat out Chandler? Don't think so. Going to beat out Gray? Don't think so. Jordan, I don't know about that. Might be a closer call. But uh, – could he be an effective short yardage runner? Yeah, he seemed to bring more energy to the, mm-hmm. more impact to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought last week a couple of times, I thought the back went down too early. The back yeah. didn't honor the push that the line gave him. Yeah. Banks is going to honor. Banks is going to get you something a little extra on his own, but he might fumble once out of five times. It's probably his average from the times he played uh, running back. He ran. He he needs to learn when to go down. After you make the first down, go ahead and get on the ground and hang on to the ball. But, uh, no, he brings some energy. He does. It'll be interesting to see how he is utilized going forward. Uh, when we come back, we'll have our last segment. If you want to join us, 656-9900-1-866-656-9900. We're brought to you by Window Works, family-owned, founded in East Tennessee with only American-made products. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. You know, I've been harping on this since they first got here. You know, uh, you're going to face ups and downs. Uh, you know what you got yourself into. This is the best conference in the uh, NCAA football. So uh, not everything is going to go your way. You just got to be resilient. And uh, you just got to be able to adapt to situations, even if they don't go your way. That's Daniel Batuli, Tennessee linebacker, when asked, what would he tell the young guys as they head into SEC play? Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Up with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Tim, when you get into SEC play, typically the intensity level goes up. It does, and it's it's why you sign here. It's why you come here. It's what makes it so exciting. And uh, it's the uh, bitter, intense rivalries and the disappointments and the elations from so many years. And, you know, everybody's wanting to see it happen again. And if you want to feel all right about yourself and make this fan base feel all right about you, Go down there and beat Florida, guys. That's all yeah. you got to do. You go down there yeah. and beat Florida, I guarantee you nobody remembers Georgia State or the overtime loss to BYU. You go beat Florida, everything will be well. It was interesting. Jeremy Pruitt at the quarterback club talked about how his dad had, had said something about some fans were getting on him after they had lost and saying some ugly stuff. And he said, well, if you don't want them to talk about you like that, go win. Go win. Yeah. So, that's that's uh, that's what they need to do. A little bit more from Jeremy Pruitt. He was asked, "How beneficial was it to get some of those younger players in the game?" Well, it, it's it's good that we got to play a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys played today that hadn't played in the first two games. Um, it's good that we got Daniel Batuli to play. He needed to play, uh, and you know he's he's probably not a hundred percent yet, but. He, he needed to play, and, and he'll get better. He's really improved a lot in the last three or four days. 
Um, so that was good for him to get out there and get going. But there's a lot of guys out there. I, I, I saw a guy just that flashed to me uh, just out there at the end of the game, Tyus Fields. Uh, they handed the ball off, and he looked like a streak in there. You know, he's running to the contact, right? Um, so, I mean, do you see that in practice? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, he's a young guy that started off as a corner and moved to safety. So he's still learning what to do. But one thing he does have figured out, and we saw it today, is to go get the ball, right? So that's a good thing. He's a guy that we need to probably play on special teams. So there's lots of little bitty things that we can look at. You know, we played, played Elijah Simmons and Kingston Harris and um, Jackson Lampley. And, and so we can see how some of these guys did. Jeremy Pruitt, Tim, I thought it was interesting talking about Tyson Fields. So you, you see it in practice, and he was glad to see it carry over to the game because sometimes not all of what you see in practice evolves on the game. That's right. There are guys that are all-stars at practice that can't seem to do it for you on Saturdays, and then there are some guys that, you know, Saturday comes, they go to a whole nother gear, and some guys do it both places. They're the ones yeah. that are going to get on the field first. But there's also those guys that, are better in the games than they are in practice, and they get to play too. It just takes a while to get them out there. More from Pruitt. He was um, uh, asked what did he thought, uh, how he thinks the win against Chattanooga <clears throat> will help the team's confidence heading into Florida. I think it's good for our guys to win. You know, you look at our football team, <clears throat> the makeup of them, um, you know, that, that's the in the last three seasons, that's the 10th win. Right. OK. Um, you know, so the guys that have been here for three and four years have not had a lot of success and they need it. You know, uh, we have uh, lots of guys in our in our locker room. that are young kids that are used to winning, you know, so and maybe these guys were um, some of our older guys were used to it when they were in high school. Right. Um, but the one thing that you never want to get is where winning doesn't bother you. Okay, it bothers me, all right? I can't sleep at night, all right? And I probably make everybody in our building miserable because of it. Uh, I know I do at home, all right? But we got to get we got to get our players to where um, that's the way they are, and I think we've got a lot of them in our program that are that way. That's Jeremy Pruitt, and I think he meant to say you don't want to get to where losing doesn't bother you, not winning. So I think he just misspoke there. Uh, but one of the things he talked about was – uh, and he told me this uh, one time I had a conversation. He wants to recruit kids out of high school that come from winning programs. How important do you think that is, Tim? I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a diamond in the rough out there that just ends up on a bad football team that can still play and help you, but it certainly helps to recruit guys <laughs> in college and even in the pros that uh, come from winning pedigrees, and a lot's been asked of them. And that's how they got to be got that winning pedigree it helps uh, you don't have to start at ground zero they're already thinking that way and looking that way i mean you want the cream of the crop and usually the cream of the crops off winning teams well we'll uh and, and going forward of course tennessee right now they're in pretty good shape recruiting they got 14 commits they had a commit this past week that decommitted to go to louisville there's still about five in-state players at tennessee is recruiting that they're really in good shape on. There's a kid from Las Vegas, an athlete named Darnell Washington that likes Tennessee, a small kid from the state of Washington that likes Tennessee. Uh, and then there's a big tight end out of Georgia, Eric Gilbert, 
that's a teammate of uh, Harrison Bailey uh, that likes Tennessee. So if they can land these guys, they'll end up with a what should be a really good recruiting class. Uh, we ran through the SEC scores a little bit earlier today. Tim, is there um, Tennessee excluded? Is there a team that has surprised you on the good side or the negative side in the SEC so far this year? Uh, Ole Miss may be a little bit negative. I don't think they've played a real good game. Their defense is really suspect, I think. Uh, um, I'm thinking down at uh, certainly uh, Mississippi State, uh, negative a little bit. Um, no, everybody else I think is about as expected. I expect Kentucky to be good again. I expected South Carolina to show about what they've shown. And, and uh, no, I think Alabama and Georgia are still good football teams. Uh, Florida, I think, has been fortunate to be 3-0 and right now. But, no, I think, you know, I think everybody's about where I anticipated. Uh, Auburn, I don't know what to expect out of them. Uh, I think the quarterback showed me he can play, not so much this week, but the mm-hmm. week before. Um, no, I think – Everybody, uh, actually, I'm not too sure about Missouri. I expected them to have a little bit of uh, lock uh, homesickness, maybe, but uh, I figured this quarterback coming in would pick him up a little bit better than he has. But I'd say Missouri, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, everybody else about where I expected. Tennessee's been a disappointment, mm-hmm. uh, too. So Tennessee will now go to Florida. It'll be a noon kickoff. Kyle Trask will be the quarterback. Came off the bench. He was 9 of 13, 126 yards against Kentucky. And Florida outscored Kentucky 19-0 with Trask in the game. A different kind of quarterback, maybe a better thrower than Franks. Uh, your, your thoughts on Trask and Florida's offense? I don't think he's going to do anything to beat Florida. I think we got to beat Florida. I don't think he's going to do anything to beat them. Uh, I don't even see him throwing the ball to us very much. He looked like mm-hmm. he looked like a top shelf pocket passer to me. I was very impressed. I uh, don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I liked our chances actually better with Frank in there than I do with this guy. And you had mentioned early success and also uh, being uh, productive on first down. And the other thing is, we've got to manage. We've got to use the snap count as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Florida guesses they will jump off sides if you give them the opportunity to jump off sides. So, Jim Chaney, if you're listening to this, let's work on changing that snap count up a little bit and get your silent snap <laughs> count ready because you're going to need it. You're going to have to have some way to get off the ball on time on the silent count. Tim, we appreciate it. All right, Thank good you very luck. much. Best way to heal is beat Florida. There you go. And I'll be at WATE for the Sports Source coming up. This has been Sunday Sports Sound Off.